Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and it feels like February was literally yesterday. But all of a sudden, here we are, and the college softball season is complete with a three-peat. And as usual, just what a Women's College World Series. And being in Oklahoma City this year was just another level, and we're going to get all into it. But however you got here today, whether it was an audio podcast platform like Apple, Spotify, etc., or watching on YouTube, thank you. Subscribe and rate if you haven't yet. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Click the link in our bio on either of those pages or go to shop.believe.com to purchase merch. There are three shirts available, covering our bases, safer out, or catch you soon. I think I'm wearing safer out right now. So you got some options. All right, let's go through today's batting order. First, we'll be covering our bases, give you some news and call outs from around the softball world as we recover from the Women's College World Series. Then we'll head into today's interview, which is part two of my conversation with Karen Johns. In part one, we talked about her role as an ESPN statistician, postseason, being in the booth for the broadcast, especially this time of year, being just behind the scenes and having a lot of stories to share, relationships with the talent, how the games evolved, today's scorekeeping, working with SIDs for teams, just so much and more. We got more for you in part two, and it's the 120th episode of the show. Then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week where we share tips to help us get better. All right, let's get started. Covering our bases. BetOnline is your number one source for all your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. BetOnline is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. From basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. And first, where it starts for me, just immediate thoughts on the Women's College World Series. I mean, these are just my my raw reactions. Like, this is right after having watched it all unfold and culminate in OU three-peating with their third consecutive national title. But I, I think the thing you have to bring up right away is just dominance when it comes to OU. I mean, only the second team, NCAA softball team, to three-peat since UCLA did it in the late 80s. We knew that was potentially on the table but there are only a handful across NCAA Division I, men's and women's teams, that have actually done this since 2010. UConn women's basketball, 2013 through 16, they had four in a row. OU men's gymnastics, 2015 to 18. And then Stanford men's gymnastics from 2019 to now, they've all gotten four and got to take away that 2020 COVID year for Stanford. And now, you know, here's Oklahoma with three consecutive for softball. And it's really, it's a dynasty. It's a legacy. It's on the level of the Patriots, for example, in the NFL. And it did make me think, I was like, does it have to do with sports that have the Brady family tie to them? Because you look at football with Tom Brady and what he did 
And then, you know, Maya Brady is a part of our softball world. And maybe that's just how it is. It's just next level when they're involved. Who knows? But, you know, this is a team that led the nation as a group in ERA, fielding percentage, and batting average all year. We talk about how all three parts of the game have to be firing on all cylinders to be successful and to be successful consistently. Well, they did that. 53 straight wins, new record, but also the fact that they were 61 and one this year, the winningest D1 softball team in history. Just some fun facts to back up this word dominance and dynasty that we're talking about. And, you know, I have to call out Jordy Ball. I was able to go on some shows leading up to the World Series Champ Series and She was on my list for most outstanding player. You could see from the get-go that she was locked in. Zero earned runs given up. She actually scored more as a pinch runner in the World Series than she gave up as a pitcher, which is pretty impressive. And she was able to have that Women's College World Series moment at the end, too, to celebrate after having some injuries last year. So just what a performance by Oklahoma. But the thing we also like about the World Series is not just the national champions, but the ability for stars to emerge on this stage. It's everyone's like one of their favorite things, especially for me. And this year, I think it's undoubtedly Nigeria Kennedy. In the past, we've seen people like Odyssey Alexander, you know, diving off the mound to make that tag on the runner going into home plate a couple of years ago. Shay Knighton from OU, big play Shay, just coming up clutch constantly in the World Series. Like we have had sort of these World Series stars emerge before and this year, it was Nija. And again, just for some facts to back this up as well, she led the country in ERA, the country, not just freshmen, the country, 0.57 ERA in 135 innings pitched. She also led the country in strikeouts to walk ratio, 10.38, only one, by the way, with double digits in that category. And then 11.3 strikeouts average per seven innings, all country leading in the nation. 17 and three record, 10 complete games, 218 strikeouts overall, opponents hitting 137 against her. Very easy to see why she was the NFCA National Freshman of the Year. And yes, everyone was wondering, including myself, first reaction, how in the world did she miss getting All-American status? Well, she was confirming just under 100 innings pitched in the regular season. You have to meet that, that minimum to be qualified for it. She didn't hit it. She had 94 innings pitched in the regular season and 99 if you include the Pac-12 tournament. So just barely missed that cutoff. But I think we all know, let's be honest, she's an All-American. But I think what's cool about her is also how she does it. You know, yes, here's all the numbers and everything, but it's not just the numbers that impress people at the World Series and even just all year. I think it's how she does it. Consistently throwing over 70 miles per hour. Now, we talk about all the time, pitchers, you don't have to have that kind of velo to be successful, but she has it and she has movement. She can change planes and she can change speeds. She's got a changeup and she just locates with precision. So all the things that we talk about that make a pitcher successful, she's good at all of them. That's why she's so good. And that's why we saw what we saw. But some of my favorite parts of watching her too is just her energy. You know, she's so mature. That's how Coach Alistair describes her, mature. Calm, cool, collected, doesn't appear to be a freshman at all. She seems like she's meant to be there and experienced. But then when something good happens, whether it's a good play by a teammate, a strikeout, whatever, the Nigel stomp comes out. She stomps it up. She rips her face mask off and she can kind of switch it on and off with that. Like stay relaxed and then let the emotions fly when she can, you know, and I, I think that's fun to watch that kind of energy. We all loved it. 
And then, I, you know, for Stanford and for people who have been following that team, this is no surprise, but getting the visibility that the World Series stage provides, now she's she's known from coast to coast, all across the country, right? I mean, in fall ball, the players talked about it. I got to witness some of it. You know, she was <laughs> she was striking everyone out in fall ball when they were just doing inner squads, right? And Coach Alistair at the World Series talked about how she was her first phone call. And she knew, and she even told her in that conversation, I think you're the best pitcher in the country. And she said it in Oklahoma City, I think I've been proven to be correct. And I, I don't think people are disagreeing. I don't think it's really a conversation. I mean, Jordy Ball, outstanding, and obviously led the team to a national title. But just in terms of what Nigeria has been able to do with what's been in front of her, I think just next level. So it is, uh, Coach Alster did say this too, it's nice to see the rest of the country catch on to what we've known from the beginning. So stars emerging, those types of storylines, we love it. And then viewership, you know, I mean, attendance was was great. It was over 12,000 people on average every single session in person, right? So we're just talking about in person at this point. Several records were broken too in terms of like first session and and some of the specific points of the tournament and the bracket. And final numbers are going to come out in terms of TV, but I can tell you, for example, game one of the championship series had 1.3 million viewers on average, and 1.5 million was the peak, just for a little taste of that. And I think that here's the thing, too. We talked about OU's dominance. We've seen dominance in softball before. You know, that UCLA team that three-peated in the late 80s, Arizona with the previous win streak that Oklahoma broke, but having 47 straight wins in the 90s. Pitchers like Lisa Fernandez and others who had ERAs under one, like we see with some of the top pitchers today, like Nigel Kennedy. But now with the exposure and the visibility, we see it more and also more new people are seeing it. So don't get me wrong. This OU program is not normal. They are a generational team. I'm grateful they're getting the attention they deserve and that the sport deserves because it wasn't always like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, still nothing like seeing it in person. So second is my personal Oklahoma City experience. And I felt like I experienced it in a few ways, you know, as an alum whose program is there competing as a member of the media covering the event. And then also as a softball fan who just enjoys it, which we all have that, right? That's all a part of us. So as an alum, I think to, to sum it up, I was proud. I've talked about on the show and even last week, the last five years of the Jessica Allister era and just going from just making postseason in 2019 to the Women's College World Series in 2023. And I remember asking her, I would go back and listen to this interview and watch it, but about this at the beginning of the season, because I'm like, based on the trajectory that you're taking each year, the improvement, 2023 is time for the World Series. And she was just like, you know what? No, we're ready to play Loyola Marymount on day one. That was their game one, day one. And that's all she was focused on. And she took that through the rest of the year along with the team. And huge shout out to the fact that she did it with zero transfers. And I think this is something that got a little bit more attention as well. And it it has everything to do with just academically, you can't just casually bring people in and out of the program. It's too hard. The standards are too high. So they focus on, and she talked about this on this show as well at the beginning of the season, development. They're really developing the talent that they have. And that that kind of leans more towards coaching versus sort of that management piece that you see with managing, you know, transfer portals and, and people coming in and out. And 
you know, you have head coaches who are at the World Series who are looking at the transfer portal every day. And it's just a whole other element. But in, in the case of Stanford and Jessica Allister, you know, doing it with zero transfers, I think, speaks to their ability to develop talent. Also, just the generations that were there. It was so, so fun. So fun to be a part of it. I mean, there were 25 or so alumni from Stanford softball in Oklahoma City, at least 10 different classes were represented. Even a couple of former student managers of the program made it out from different pieces of the Stanford softball history. And, you know, Coach Alistair even told us, she's like, I, I know this is going to sound weird, but I almost have a little bit of FOMO seeing you all together and getting to to experience this as a group. And, and same with Tori Nyberg, right? I mean, she, they're both alums, so they know this group. And she, Nyberg, had her own fan club for sure. People who played with these two and who actually went to the World Series with those two were there from the 2001 team, from the 2004 team. And then actually Jessica Merchant too, you know, played for Michigan, won the national championship in 2005. And she had an awesome poster in the stands as well, where it's her playing next to her coaching in the Women's College World Series now. So how cool is that just from the history side of things? Another great example of the alumni was Ramona. Ramona Shelburne, she literally flew from the NBA Finals to Oklahoma City, tailgated with us, our group of, of alumni, then goes into the stadium. One of the first pitches, a foul ball, hits right to her and she catches it. And she's so proud of herself. Former outfielder, right? So she's thrilled. Um, and then she got Taylor Gindelsberger, the one who hit it, to sign it for her eventually. But then, you know, she has dinner with us and, and brunch. We, we got to all hang out with Jessica Mendoza as well and catch up at one point in between games. And that's really what it's all about, right? I mean, additionally, Shoni Blake, Hickson, her maiden name, sang the national anthem at the semifinals for Oklahoma and Stanford for that game two where they faced each other. Second time they did. And it's just such a cool thing to see everybody where they're at in their lives now, but that we all still have that bond. Like I, I just can't really describe how amazing it is. And then for me, in addition to that, having the perspective of covering this team, this current Stanford team, and the three super seniors, their entire careers the last five years, I've seen it up close and personal, right? So for me, it was so fun to have both of those worlds, the alums and the current come together um, because that's that's my world in a lot of ways. And then on that side of things with, with the media piece, as a member of the media, I think the word that comes to mind is impressed, you know, just impressed with the event and the talent and where the sport is at today. It was very, very, very fun to see a bunch of believers in person, like people who had been on this show before, getting to see them in person, especially because so much of this, especially the last few years, has been Zoom, right, during COVID and all of these things. So getting to see people in person was was amazing. And I got to see almost every Stanford alum or current player, et cetera, that I've had on the show, minus Lauren Lappin. We'll talk to her about that later. But there were so many great people. I mean, six alums between me, Mendoza, Ramona Shelburne, Dana Sorensen, Alyssa Haber, Ashley Hansen. So the five of them were guests. Four of them are All-Americans. Three are Hall of Famers with Sorensen, Mendoza, and Hansen. Two ESPN reporters, obviously, with Mendoza and Ramona Shelburne. And it was just one good time. You know, like how fun was that to all just be together and even capture that moment in a photograph, like amazing. And then obviously the current folks, like having Coach Alistair on a couple of times, Elena Vada was on the show last year and Nigeri Kennedy was on the show just a couple of weeks back. So definitely recommend listening to those episodes as well. But not just the Stanford people, 
other folks that I actually got to connect with in person too that have been on the show, Kaylani Ricketts, you know, from OU was awesome to see her in person, played against her back in the day. You know, one of my Stanford teammates played with her in travel ball, Sarah Hassman, right? Um, then there's Tori Tyson, who's been on here the most, her and <laughs> Natasha Watley, three-time guests, got to see her. Nicole Auerbach, who was just on the show recently from The Athletic, who played softball growing up and is covering the sport in the World Series. Daniel Laurie, Amanda Scarborough, Justin McLeod from Extra Inning Softball, like getting to see everyone in person was awesome. And there were a lot of others there as well. But, you know, I'm running around all over the place, didn't get to see everybody. But what a cool thing. And I think just the volume of coverage as well, just seeing how packed the press box was. I was going back and forth between the stands during Stanford games, but spent time in the press box as well, covering the event. And even outlets like The Athletic, just increasing their coverage. Nicole doing her thing. She did it last year. She's doing a little more this year. I just love seeing that momentum. And I was lucky too to you know just get to talk softball. It's what I like to do. We all know this. I got to do some media appearances. So with SiriusXM, I actually went on Nicole's college sports show. So we got to do a little bit of a role reversal the week of the World Series, which was fun. ESPNU Radio, I, I did a, a, an appearance. And then the rally with Bally Sports on Stadium TV. And then done it more than once. We all know this in the circle um, with Fast Pitch News with uh, my friends Eric and Victor. A couple more of those as well. That'll always continue. So getting to do that, though, and just see... Again, just see the extent is is awesome. And then, like I said, as a softball fan, fired up, fired up. I mean, seeing the team bubbles, you see them on TV and things, right? But to be in person to see the team bubbles and the fans is so fun. And for me in Oklahoma City, I was seeing red. We all were. I mean, five out of the eight programs rep the color red. You know, you, you have, for example, Cardinal, Cardinal Red with Stanford, three crimson, with Oklahoma, Alabama, and technically Utah, they are crimson and white, right? And then you also, of course, have garnet for Florida State. So there was a, you know, quite a bit of red. So it did feel a little more comfortable, I think, for me as a fan and an alum. But one of my favorite things that I saw and actually heard in this postseason was actually at regionals, but it applied throughout the entire postseason, is I heard somebody say, you'd think Stanford fans would be more civilized. <laughs> And I took that as a compliment because it means like, oh, there's like a level of respect there in general, but also like, wow, we're really surprising people with the level of which we support this program and how vocal, et cetera. The Stanford parents are outstanding. I was so excited for the alums to meet them. Specifically, you know, Tatum Boyd's mom and Elena Vodder's mom are really a couple of the ringleaders. They're so loud when they cheer in the stands. They tailgate before all the games. I normally can't join them because I'm working, but I got to do that a little bit this time. And then seeing some of the stories too within the families, like the Steele sister, Sydney Steele, 10 years after her sister Haley Steele hit a home run in the Women's College World Series with Arizona State. There's Sydney, who's able to hit one on her own for Stanford. And her mom, they both, they, the family now has both home run balls. And getting to see that handed off to her was really, really cool. They they literally held up the same signs. You know, that's my sissy. They're the same number, 32. You see Sydney Steele as a little one side by side with a picture of Haley Steele now with that sign. And that's freaking cool. Like, what? No one can ever take that away from them. And just the home run ball deliveries in general. When someone hits it, the family gets it. Like, I love seeing the staff all over that. And Kylie Chung was another example. And um, getting to see... Her as someone who went to my high school and then Emily Jones also on the team. 
and seeing her her dad get get the ball, those things are really fun as well, just as a fan, you know, just as a fan. And, you know, there's some chirping too. I forgot what it's like to be in the stands, let alone in the stands at the World Series. And um, there's some competition. There's some some tension. But I think, like, overall fun because people care. People care. And lastly, seeing the young ones, seeing people ask Nija for autographs, seeing people when I was having a conversation, catching up with Kehlani Ricketts, constantly little girls were like, can I take a photo with you with her? Right. And just seeing them, them care. And even some, some sort of high school age ones or middle school age ones doing some fundraising at the games, you know, selling water to raise money for their teams and doing what they can. And you know what? It, it just got me back in that mindset of being that little kid. And I had Dippin' Dots for the first time in years, for example, at the stadium. <laughs> I felt like a kid in a candy store, literally, while being there. And I did have Brahms. For those that know Oklahoma well, I did have Brahms ice cream while I was there. Um, was very excited to try it. And I freaking love ice cream. So it was great. But again, like having that kid-like outlook, it's like I felt that a little bit again. And just remember having that dream when you're little. And I think thirdly, pointing out that that dream is still alive because we have pro softball still. AUX and WPF both start this coming week. And there are some college stars fresh off their season that are going to be joining. We're going to get to continue to see them play. So AUX starts June 12th. Megan Framo uh, from UCLA and Sydney McKinney going to be there. You know, the nation's batting average leader uh, from Wichita State. Championship season starts at the end of July, but for AUX, it is now. And then the WPF starts June 15th. You know, the Texas Smoke have folks like Autumn Peace from Minnesota, Charla Eccles from Florida. OKC Spark has Shanice Delse, one of those people who worked in the stadium in OKC growing up. Now she gets to play for that pro team, and she'll be there, right? USSA Pride, Jordan Rudd, one of our um, faves as a former guest on this show, will be playing there. Allie Bunker from Oregon, Kayla Kowalik from Kentucky, straight off their senior years. And then the Smash It Sports Vipers, McKenna Smith from Cal, who I've covered a ton, and then Carly Heath and Megan Shorman from the Raging Cajuns. They're all going to be playing pro. And this is just some. You know, we're going to cover even more this summer. That's just a handful just to give you a taste. And I feel like I say this every year, but let's keep this softball train rolling. 2023 is not over yet. And, man, I'm so sick of, of people who are newer to softball saying and tweeting things like, oh, my God, why is there no pro league? This is so great. This is so entertaining. It's such a bummer there isn't a pro league. <sighs> if you know, you know. And this is actually why each season of this podcast, we keep going through the summer because softball is still going. It doesn't end in the beginning of June. So for those that do know, let's bring that same energy this summer. Then to bring it home, I'll be honest, I'm going to be in full recovery mode <laughs> this weekend, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And you know what? Maybe even spiritually a little bit. Like I think a spa day is in my immediate future after this season because we all have this college softball hangover and you know, you want to reflect back a little bit as well. But we don't have a lot of time because, yes, again, right back into it with pro ball and even some international ball happening this summer. So I'm sure that someone who's on the same page is today's guest. Karen Johns is back. Let's head into the rest of the interview. They'll have debates on who they think is going to win or, you know, what the best matchups are going to be. And that's always fun to listen to. Um, I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm definitely a numbers person and I'm definitely more towards the analytics because I think it tells the bigger picture when you really dig deep into it. Um, 
So this year, my fascinating regional is the Alabama Northwestern regional because they're so identical on offense, like everything from home runs to everything they do on offense. It's almost like you could erase all the names and you wouldn't know which team is which. And so it's very fascinating to me to see how that's going to come out because the four graduate students starting for Northwestern, the experience that they have, they went on the road last year, had no problems playing at Arizona State, didn't even phase them, got down twice in that regional and came back, came from behind to win those games. Um, The Rhodes House, I've worked many a games there. It is electrifying during postseason. Um, whether Montana is going to be able to throw, hopefully, you know, the healing process is working for her, but, you know, different challenge this week for Jayla Torrance, um, because they, you know, they're just more experienced hitters than what she faced before. And so I'm really fascinated by that regional, um, you know, if Fouts was pitching, it would be a whole different perspective for me, but with not knowing her status. So, um, I kind of went off track as far as memories, but as far as just looking ahead. And then, of yeah. course, still can't wait for that Georgia floor. I'm so glad that one starts the night before <laughs> the rest of them. I know. So we can at least see the full game, right, without interruption or anything. So, um, yes. But, yeah, they're all really good people. The people behind the scenes really make it work at ESPN for softball. And, of course, Meg. Everybody knows Meg. She's a really good leader. She – pushes people hard. She brings out the best. She's honest. Hey, we need more of this or we, we want less of that. Or she's great at making that work. And she's really the reason why this is where it is. And where softball is where it is. I really feel like she's a big source of why there's parody now, Jen, because Mm -hmm. everybody can watch everybody now. Like you, you can go to any school and your parents can watch every game. Just about very few schools, you know, you might miss a game or two, but most you can watch, you can see it live. Um, I think that's a huge part of why we had seven playing for seven mid majors playing for regional championships because the visibility and, you know, I can stay closer to home, still get a good scholarship and compete at a high level. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, good Jersey girl, you know, she's a Jersey girl too. And so I, I just I think about how much hard work she's put into it, where it came from, and what it's become. It's it's a monster now. People love it. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. More and more yeah. people love it every year too. Like it just doesn't stop growing. But you're right, Megarano. It's huge credit to her for everything that she's done and the team that she's built with all of you too, to do it at at ESPN. And I think that you're right. I remember talking to with with some coaches this year actually, where they're like, yeah, I remember when scouting reports were calling up your friend that maybe played them a few weeks ago and be like, Hey, what did you see? You know, versus now everything <laughs> that they have to look at is insane. Um, yes. Even this, the technology that they use to look at it, you know, like they got the tablets and like all this stuff. It's crazy. So it's, it's wild how far it's come. Yeah. Even like calling travel ball coaches. Hey, you, you coached this freshman last year. Or you, uh, you played against this freshman last year. what did you guys yeah. picture in the summertime? Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was exactly. So it was crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, it's come yeah. so far. It's mm-hmm. it's awesome. It's and it does. I think you're right. It makes it more challenging though. That's why there's more parity and that's yeah. also contributes to the growth of the game and yeah, it's just been this like nice cycle that has Well, in baseball and softball, if you get one good arm, baseball you probably need like two or three, but 
In softball, you can get one good arm. You can you can really do some damage because if you can control the opponent somewhat, you have a shot. And you saw that yeah. this, you know, for most of this past weekend, you saw different times. And then sometimes, you know, a team like Louisiana, they just outslug you. <laughs> they may not be able to stop you, but you're not going to stop them either. So, yeah, right. Oh my gosh, Washington back in the seventh inning to the seven runs in the seventh. I actually it was funny. I was talking to my dad on the phone and he was like, you know, the thing about Washington though, this is when they're down by six, you know, six to nothing. The thing about Washington is they never have like that fear in their eyes. You know, anytime you ever played against them or that I watch them, they don't have a fear in their eyes. They're always competing. And I was like, yeah, that's true, dad. I mean, this will be tough, but yeah, that's true. And then all of a sudden they score seven runs and I was like, wow. So yeah, it's, it's cool. you know, Heather does a good job with that, right? They play free. They're always yeah. free. You know, Sis Bates, I think, is like the model child of that program. You ever watch her? She's always smiling. She was always jumping around. And you see that a lot with that team. They're very connected. Um, you see them very connected. And I thought the thing for them, that game in that particular inning, when I finally got I finally got to catch up on those games when I took the red eye home from after seeing you guys, um, was that the opportunity – when the opportunities were there – their most experienced hitters came to the plate and it couldn't have lined up any better for them. You know, it had, it oh, had yeah. Reynolds, it had Husky in those moments, that lineup shook out just right for them. And it's hard to beat experience in this tournament. Very rarely do you see a freshman, you know, dominate and you get one here and there, you know, you have those, you know, Oklahoma's had a handful uh, UCLA has had a handful in the past, but not a lot, not a lot. And, uh, you know, the experience really played out for them. And I got a lot of text messages. Why didn't the coach take the pitcher out? Well, we don't know because mm. we don't have all the data, you know, maybe he did right. sometimes this season. It didn't work out for him. Right. We don't know. You know right. It's just like MLB. You get that all the time. I know that if, I don't know if you're a Dodger fan or a San Fran fan a- or what you are. Angels but- fan. I know. Angels. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So the Dodgers <laughs> coach gets killed all the time about pitching decisions. But when you watch teams for 165 games, which he does, he has a better knowledge based on what he thinks those pitchers can handle. And so yeah, in my mind, he didn't think he could go to another option. And so he stuck with it. But it really lined up really well for them. I'm happy for them. I'm sad for McNeese because they played so hard. They gave their hearts. But I was super happy for them, especially those seniors um, and some really big names still in the tournament for them. And it's kind of fun. What an exciting regional that's going to be. I oh, mean, gosh. just from a it's so hard to put your finger on that because it, are they going to control it from the circle or is this just going to be another slugfest like we saw down in Baton Rouge? You know, right. and I got a feeling that's what it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to turn out just like Baton Rouge. So, well, you know, yep. this is why Supers is one of my favorites. Obviously, the nothing compares to the the World Series. Everyone knows that, but to get there is such a goal for everybody. And maybe it's because mm-hmm. I was so close twice in my playing career, and we lost in Supers like <laughs> one out away, and we didn't go. So that I, I'm just not over it. But also, yeah. it, it turns back into a series, though, kind of like like you see in the regular season. But it's still that postseason vibe, and I don't know. I I love it, so I can't wait. Yeah, there's just so much on the line. You know, everybody's goal when they get back to school in August is Oklahoma City. And, gosh, this is it. You know, this is what you train for and work for. And, you know, getting there is a whole nother reset. But just getting there is such a huge accomplishment. Um, 
you know, something to be so proud of. I remember Elaine Sortino always telling me, she used to call me Sanch because that was my maiden name, Sanchelli. And she'd be like, Sanch, there's no bad days at the College World Series. None. And she's right. You know, I've, I've had the pleasure of coaching. I didn't play in the World Series, but I got to coach in the World Series. And it was such an yeah. awesome experience. So, yeah. That's what I would ask you, too. Because you've had so many different viewpoints with this game as a coach, as a player, even on the administrative side when you were um, with the high school, right? I, You've seen yeah. so many different things from so many different angles. When we're watching these student athletes play on the biggest stages, like in postseason, what are really the realities that they're going through or, or things that you've seen that, you know, maybe not everybody realizes, but are actually really important? Well, I think there's, I think for the athletes, there's so much that they're risking because of the elements now, the social media. Um, and I don't always know if they appreciate how strong they are just by mm. walking out on that field and being in front of that camera or being in front of those 10,000, 15,000 fans. I don't know if they give themselves enough credit because we are in end result society. That's what we, we declare. We declare success on the end result, right? That's right. the American way, you know, and sometimes I see them forget that the process of them actually putting themselves in that position is so valiant and so good. So I worry sometimes for that because it is so magnified. I mean, we had our parents back when I played, you know, and maybe a handful of friends, yeah. you know, and so we were risking it, but not, not to that degree. We weren't judged as much. We weren't ripped apart as much. And, you know, we weren't pumped up as much either. And you, you yeah. get to this elevation point and then the fall can be hard on the biggest stage. We've seen that, you know, we've seen people who couldn't throw overhand at the world series. Suddenly we've seen yeah. those things happen. And so um, I think for me, it's just, I'm, I, I so enjoy watching them play and I try to reach out on social media. I don't, I don't follow social media as much as I, seek it. I seek, I type in specific words that I want to find things, you know, I type right. in home runs, I'll type in, you know, whatever. But yeah. when I do see it, I, and I, you know, like Sid McKinney, you know, like who's not going to miss getting to watch her play. I mean, I clicked right. on Wichita state games for four or five years now because right. I wanted to watch one of the best players in the game, play the game when I knew I probably wouldn't see her in person and how much fun is she to watch play. And so I just, um, I just always hope for that. I hope they know, like, they're so much stronger than maybe they give themselves credit for just by doing what they do and putting it out there, especially pitchers. You know, I have a soft spot for them. I was a catcher. Yeah. A lot of pressure on the pitchers to come through and to perform for your team and not give up those runs and not give up the lead. And, you know, there's a lot on their shoulders and, I know it's not always easy to manage, but they can. And that's what I hope that they know that they can do this. And it doesn't define who they are as people. It, it, actually, it highlights who they are as people. I feel like win or lose that they're brave and they're strong and they're going to go on and do great things in life. And that's what really matters most. I love that you brought that up for many reasons, but I think you're right in the sense that 
you know, we could argue uh, that, hey, they have way more resources, better facilities, all these things than maybe we did. Uh, and we meaning any of us that played before now. But then you also look at all the new things that they're facing as well. And it's just different, you know, and it's it's interesting to see to see that. And I agree with you that it is um, I'm always going to have respect for the people that put themselves out there or the man in the arena, I think, is is kind of what that saying is. And I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot lot to be said for that. Yeah, I see. um I experienced it really up front this season, Alabama softball, because I live so close. I'm an hour from Tuscaloosa. And, um, man, people were coming down hard on them this year. And they had a lot of new kids. And their new people were young. Yep. You know, they got a couple out of the portal that were a little bit older, but not a lot of experience at the SEC national level. And I just kept seeing good things, though. And I, and I just kept repeating over and over again i do a local radio show and i'm like you know you have montana fouts and so you're going to win a vast majority of your games whenever she's in the circle because she's not going to give up more than two runs a game so just be patient right jayla torrance was a kid that i talked about all season she's got good stuff it's just she couldn't find her command right away she just couldn't control the strike zone it was walk or you know too many walks or a hit batter got her into trouble all the time and I was like, but you could see it getting better and better. And it's like, as soon as she grabs hold of that, she's going to be a huge contributor to them getting in the World Series and not knowing, of course, what was going to happen at the SEC tournament. And I just kept telling people, you know, that just stay patient, you know, just, they're going to find ways. They're still trying to figure out how they're going to do this offense too. You know, they hit home runs, but not enough. You know, they, they put some bunts down, but maybe not enough, right? Like they've, they didn't have that pure speed like they've had in the past or that pure power like they've had in the past. But what they found out was that they became better at situational hitting and advancing runners, and they were able to win games because they didn't need to score 10 runs. You know, she's given up one yeah. and a half runs a game. You can work and get two to three runs a game. You're going to win vast majority with her in the circle. And so they found their way and, you know, they're playing their best softball at the right time. They had a lot of new pieces on defense. So I witnessed that. And I heard it and I watched it and I could see it on social media. And it's tough. It's a tough thing to go through as an athlete. Um, the football team probably at Alabama has been immune to that now. They're so used to that highly critical expectation level of the fan base, um, which is completely unreasonable, but it is what it is. That's what happens when you yeah. win five national titles in nine years. But you know, just finding that joy. And I feel like this may have been Patrick's best coaching year of his career. Um, and he is a dear friend. So I'm not afraid to say that how proud I am of him of this, of this year, because it wasn't easy at times, but they found their way. And I was happy to see the committee this year. I don't know how you felt about the selections. I thought it was a little bit, I thought for a number two seed UCLA, not knowing that they wouldn't win. I thought, wow, they gave them such a challenging for a two seed. And I understand they have that mileage thing and, you yeah. know, come on, spend a few more dollars. I mean, it's not even that much right. more expensive to send another team. And they did ship Liberty out there, but that was not a gift either because Liberty's really right. good. But right. I thought that regional was the one that I thought was truly eh, maybe a very imbalanced. Again, not thinking that they wouldn't win. I thought they would win it. But 
I just was like, you know, I'm so happy to see that they rewarded teams, most teams that played a good schedule and got some wins out of that good schedule. Because yeah. for so many years, they just kind of RPI, RPI, RPI. And it's like, it's such a minuscule piece of what you can select teams to this tournament for. And I really felt like that helped the mid-majors because you had some that went out and played some tough teams and got some good wins. Louisiana played everybody. You yeah. Know, they played everybody. <laughs> they, they took their love. They won their first five games of the season. They lost their next five. I mean, they took some hard hits, but it paid off for them because nothing phased them through those two games against LSU. They were just, they just came out swinging, swinging, swinging. We're going to stay in this game. So I, I don't know how you felt about that, but I thought that was really cool to hear the selection committee member go on the show and say, we put a lot of weight into that. And, you know, Alabama had those nine top 25 wins. Um, and they had beaten Florida State early in the season. So that was really cool for me to hear them say that. And, again, I still think UCLA, not so sure. And I, and I do feel bad to a degree for LSU and Louisiana because they're probably two really good teams that could have both been in a super regional. But because yeah. of this mileage situation, again, they kind of got stuck there. Yeah. I think, they need to, I think they need to start looking at And it's like your biggest rival, you know, really right. probably the biggest rival. And it's like <laughs> – there's always going to be emotional parts to that. And you saw some of, of the stuff that went on at that regional. They shouldn't have to do that every year. I just don't think it's the right thing. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not very into the, the mileage and the geographical limitations that they have, especially because sometimes it feels whether it is or not, it feels arbitrary where it's like, to your point, they sent Liberty out, they sent Florida to Stanford, you know what I mean? So it's like, so what exactly? Like, yeah. One more yeah. team isn't going to bring, Right. Yeah. Right. What's the, what's the problem? So I agree with you. I think that the seedings were interesting. I don't know if it's exactly how I would have drawn it up, but I agree with the part about the mid majors because I definitely feel like, you know, there were five non power five conferences that had more than one team that got into the tournament and it was only one last year. Right. That's awesome. I think that's really cool and shows growth of the game. Yep. Yeah. That was pretty fascinating to see how well they did. And none of it really surprised me because when you look at the coaching staffs, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about this yeah. on air too. You know, Middle oh, Tennessee, yeah. Tony Foddy, he's been coaching all around the world for how many years now? And, you know, he's on that staff. And then, of course, Grand Canyon's got the who's who. Utah's has got the who's who on their staff. All these staffs are so good that these environments weren't going to intimidate them. I mean, they right. were totally comfortable. You know, two Bruins <laughs> coaching for the championship you know, exactly. they weren't going to be Which is so cool. by the environment. Yeah, that was, yeah. I, I thought that At was one Easton of the Stadium. Yeah. yeah, so cool. And so for the fans, there was some soulless there that, no, our Bruins aren't in it, but our two Bruins are coaching and we're going to come out and support them. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, yeah, so this is going to be such a good weekend. I cannot wait for tomorrow night. I'm going to get to Knoxville and get my hotel room and get my TV on and do my homework, my last minute homework and just indulge into these games and build up some, some good notes for the college world series. Oh yeah. Uh, that's, that's happening too. It's like one thing at a time we got supers, but then yeah, that's right, right afterwards we're coming up on it. So I'm yeah. with you. I think it'll be really exciting. Um, Really, really exciting. I think the last question I have for you before the wrap up is, you know, some of the things you've mentioned, you've obviously talked about some of the data points that are very informative, obviously, especially with your role. 
but also you've mentioned some things where it's like, oh, maybe people, coaches or that you have when you're watching have certain instincts and like gut feelings. How do you balance both? Like, here's what the data says, but here's what my instincts are. Well, sometimes from the outside looking in, the data can, they can fool you too, because what I try to do with the data is I pull it apart. Like I was telling you before we came on air, I'm pulling out Georgia hitters against the top pitchers in the country. Because that gives me more of a clearer picture of how they're going to do. Not just Georgia. That's just one example. I do it for all the teams. Yeah, right. How did Ashley Rogers do against the top 25 this year? Right. What do her numbers look like? How many walks did she have in those games? How many strikeouts? So it gives me a clearer picture of what the matchups are really going to look like. Because, you know, Georgia is going against two stingy pitchers at Florida State. Uh, Less than 5% of their fly balls leave the park. And... Georgia as a team, over 20% of their fly balls leave the park. And you put Mosley and Kearney, it's like every third swing, every third fly ball is leaving the park. So, you know, so it's, it's like, what does that look like? And, you know, who are they facing? Is there anybody similar to Sandra Cock that they've had to face? Is there anybody similar to, to Reed that they've had to face? So I try to look at those. What kind of lefties did they face this year? Um, who were those lefties? Cause that, that can paint a different picture too. So I think for the coaches, they have all that. So they understand it better, you know, and, and then sometimes you're going to go with experience over maybe the numbers, because in this tournament history tells you experience matters. Um, yeah. the older perform better at the biggest moments. So, you know, I think coaches understand that, especially the ones that have been there multiple times, you know, Patty Gasso and and uh, Heather Tarr and Patrick Murphy. And, you know, you can list them, right? They can go on and on and on. Um, they understand that. They've been there. They've, they've been through it. They see what kids go through. And then sometimes, too, they've placed kids in certain situations specifically throughout the season, and they know who's going to respond to it. And maybe who needs to maybe not be pushed into that. So, that's where yeah. I think the gut comes in. I know Murph has done that several times at different times, you know, the, the grand slam, um, the different things that have occurred at the world series. He is very much a feel coach. Um, what he feels and what, you know, what he sees in BP and that kind of thing. And, you know, I know Michael White's like that. I've, I've coached with White. He helped me with the junior team. Um, I didn't say help me. I shouldn't even say that. He and Tony Rico and those guys, they were all coaches. I just gave them their jobs and I didn't interfere with what they had to do. And, (laughs) but he was very much a feel guy. Like he was, he was very emotional type of coach. And it was a really good balance that we had on that junior staff. Um, But Whitey's the same way, right? Like he's gonna, he's gonna go with what he, you know, what his gut is telling him. And that's what he did through super regionals and right into the, to the champ series last year was, Oh, checks pitching. What? Well, he just had a feeling and he, he knew her movement looked good in the pen the day before or whatever. And he knew he could get these certain hitters out. And so it, right. sometimes they go against it. Patty Gasso's done that several times at the college world series, you know, especially in that game two of the champ series. Sometimes you'll be like, what? You're, who's pitching? And she's even come back a couple of times. She goes, she goes, ah, I know everybody was questioning me, weren't they? And I was like, well, probably. <laughs> But I think everybody at home was too. <laughs> so I said, but you know, right? You know your kids and you know what they can do. So yeah, 
she she's been notorious for that, like pulling out a different pathway or, you know, maybe starting a different pitcher in game one than everybody expected. And it obviously has worked out very well for her. So, uh, yeah, I, I, and I, I just think major league baseball coaches, I think probably are the best at that because they have so many games to go by. They have so much yeah. information and so many experiences to understand. Um, some teams don't, some hitters don't match up well against certain pitchers for whatever reason. I was when I did Bedlam, was it Bedlam? No, it was Auburn and uh, LSU. And, you know, Petty's such a good hitter for LSU, so good. But she just could not see Shelby Low. She couldn't, she couldn't ID her pitches. She was lost. And when the game was on the line, he brings in Shelby Low. She gets that out when Petty comes to bat. So they know, right? Because that defies yep. all odds. Shelby Lowe had been struggling all season. Why in the world would he take out his best pitcher in this situation? Well, you just you go with what you know, and that's that works right. out. So, yeah, there's a lot well, that goes into that. Well, that's and, a thing. You know? Yeah, because because they see a lot that we don't too. Like you see um, how people are at practice. We don't see that. You know, we we have the data from the game certainly, but we don't see what's going on in practice. We don't see even like, how's their focus? What's going on in their personal lives? Even, you know, that might be something to consider. Um, there are so many different factors and intangibles too, that go into it. So it's such an interesting balance you have to strike as a coach. And it's really is an art. That's why these, these top coaches are, are doing what they're doing. Yeah. And they have, um, they're getting more and more better support for that kind of thing um, to help kids. Cause it, it really is truly hard for one person to manage all of it um, and all that comes with it. There's a lot of outside pressures and stressors now. you got NILs that are happening and what in, what goes into that and what the expectation levels are for kids and performance and things like that. So, yeah, it's a different level of pressure. I'm glad that these opportunities are there. I know that kind of goes against what a lot of people hope and wish for, but, I, I mean, I feel like opportunity is good. Um, we just have to remember how to work through it. You know, I was around when the very first type of thing like that occurred with Lisa Fernandez. Mm. I was a teammate on the Ray Bestis breakettes with her, and she was probably the first softball player where Louisville Slugger was flying in and they're coming to our BP and they're coming to her pitching workout and, you know, they're whining and dining her. And, you know, she took some criticism at different times, but you know what? Like, it's easy to criticize, but she was, she didn't have anything. She didn't have anybody to ask, you know, she was the yeah. first one to go through what that expectation level looked like and what that pressure felt like. And yeah. uh, I never understood the criticism. I was like, gosh, you know, she's kind of blazing a trail here that nobody right. else in our sport can do. And then it wasn't long, you know, Michelle Smith. And then all of a sudden it all started to blossom, but she was young. You know, she was right out of yeah. college when that all was happening. And uh, I, I was so proud of her for being willing to take the chance and go for it and not be afraid of what the expectation level is. And she really helped out a lot of other athletes, especially other pitchers and, you know, the star players at that time um, to really make a living and do do what they love. And I'm, I'm happy for these women. Um I think it, there needs to be some kind of structure to it so that everybody has some sort, form of equal opportunity 
Um, yeah. Or maybe like a salary cap type of thing so that it doesn't become just a, a select few, but uh, I love it. I know it goes yeah. against a lot of people don't love it. I love it. I think it's great. I just, I don't have all the answers. It's just being able to manage it. Right. I mean, this reminds me of the conversation I had recently with Monica Abbott on the show because she was talking about, you know, she was the million dollar arm. And sometimes when she would try to push for more, not just for herself, but also for the rest of the softball community yep. too, people wouldn't always like it, but she's like, but you know, this is how we, this is how we grow, you know? So it's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You hear that a lot in the men's professional. It's not just about me. It's about the guys coming behind me that right. they, what they deserve too. So yeah, she did a great job with that because there was a whole lot of pressure on her and a whole yeah. lot of stuff being thrown at her. And, but mom's mom. I mean, she's such a good human being that, you know, she was able to process it all and not saying it was easy for her because I'm sure there was difficult days, but who better than her? I mean, she's just yeah. such a, amazing human being on top of being such a great softball player. Yeah. And I don't know if you've read it yet, but I read her book that she just, that just came out and I uh, re definitely recommend it. It's, yeah. it's good stuff. Yeah. I was there when she made her first Olympic team and catching for her and staying and catching up ground balls for her and how hard she worked behind the scenes and if it wasn't for her in 2008, we wouldn't even have made the gold medal game. We got in mm -hmm. the gold medal game because of her. She was so good in that Olympic Games. Um, and I know yeah. we won the silver that game and everybody was disappointed, but she was a star there and handled herself so well. And I just love to watch people who work so hard. She spent so many hours in San Diego working and refining her game and her pitches hour after hour after everybody else was upstairs, she was down there working and it's really cool for me to watch that evolve into what it became for her and what it is for her. I mean, it's, she's kind of like Finch, you know, I don't think it ever yeah. goes away. It's there forever for her. Yeah. hundred percent. That's the great thing about our game is people like that. Mm -hmm. Fun times. Oh yeah. Well, I'm excited to see uh, the future Monica Abbott's and Jenny Finch's and all that stuff in the World Series, too. I know. So are you. And it's, it's the most yes. wonderful time of year. It is. <laughs> and I'm so excited we got to do this. This is great. I love I love it. Me, too. Me, too. It's it's definitely full circle moment, too, which are my favorites. Um, I know. And to to wrap it up with what I do with every guest with you, too, is just playing a quick game called Safer Out. So basically, I'll bring something up, and if you like it or you agree with it, you'll call it safe. If you don't, okay. then you call it out. Yeah. All right. So um, you are actually already kind of answered some of the ones that I, I was curious about for you, like the safety base and things like that. But we'll go with this one for the first one. So All right. the first one is adding that third assistant coach potential to have on staff. You know how that's like a new thing that was passed. Safer out. Safe. <laughs> I mean, I knew that was the answer, but <laughs> I just like to hear your insight about it too. You said oh, yeah. it earlier too. You need, it's so much for them to handle as a staff. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a no brainer. That for was sure. just a warm up for you. All right. I think. <laughs> okay. That was the first one. So this second one, actually, you basically already answered, but I have to go on record for it, which is NIL name, image, likeness, safer out for the record. I am safe on that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. I agree with you too, though, that it's like, we'll get better at the managing of it, but the, the concept of it in general, um, leads to growth. So also makes sense to me. Yes. Okay. All right. So the last one is bat flips safer out. I'm safe. I think that I haven't really seen a ton of them. I mean, I see them, but as long as their energy is going towards their own team, I'm good with that. I'm good with it. It's just sometimes mm. when I see it directed or the facial expressions are going at the other team was where I have a hard time with that. Mm. But I, as long as their energy is going into their teammates, why not? <laughs> yeah. I'm I like the way you said that. that. Yeah, towards yeah. their team. Because people kind of base, yeah. say the same essence of what you just said, but the way you phrased it makes mm -hmm. it simple and a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because when I asked Monica that one, um, she, I was like, well, what would you do if someone bat flipped? She actually said safe, which I was shocked. But I was like, what would you do if somebody bat flipped against you? And she was like, they wouldn't. <laughs> I was like, I respect it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I saw like a baseball game last night. Auburn was playing Missouri in the SEC baseball tournament and they were down. Auburn was down by a run and the kid get up. Foster got up for Auburn and just crushed a ball to right field, like into the trees. And he turned and just looked at his dugout and was like going crazy to his dugout. And it was like, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he was all about his teammate. He was all about uh, his teammate. So Right. I totally love it. Love it. Yep. 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 Makes sense. All right. Well, thank you again, Karen. This is fun. All I'm right. really glad Thanks. we got to do this too. Yeah, <laughs> me too. And uh, I'm sure I'll uh, be uh, tweeting with you or something throughout the postseason here. <laughs> yeah. So fun to talk with KJ in the middle of postseason. And then now to have seen the rest of it play out. I just, I still can't believe that the 2023 college season is over. And I can even hear myself now and feel it like I, I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit because of how exciting the last week, especially in the entire season has been. And I feel like every year, I don't know how it becomes more, but somehow it always does in, in multiple ways. Like anything else, there are, there are layers to it. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about growing in the right direction. Everyone always talks about growing the game. Obviously, you know, experiencing the Women's College World Series in person just reinforced and emphasized how much softball is, in fact, growing. Um, but it's not about just growing for the sake of getting bigger. I think it also matters how we grow and what direction we're growing in. We want to grow the game we love. Growth does mean evolution, but I think the core foundation matters. And that's why we hear coaches, for example, talk about the core values of their programs. It's the North Star for their culture. I think we have that as a sport as well. And after watching the top eight teams in the country live, hearing what the coaches and players had to say in the moment, in the press conferences, one thing that jumped out at me is how the most successful ones are the ones who just be who they are versus what they're supposed to be. There's an aspect of authenticity to that. You know, the players, the coaches, the teams who win tend to be the most themselves. They evolve and learn and get better, but they play their game. So I want to remember that with our sport as we grow, because we want to keep going in the right direction. We want to keep going in our direction. We don't have to be something else. And with success and visibility, obviously comes more pressure. 
you know, Patty Gasso talked about it. She said she felt free after it was all over because the expectations weighed on OU, on her, on the girls. And this many eyes to this level is new territory for softball. It's a champagne problem, but it's something to consider as we grow. And I loved hearing after the loss even that Florida State's Kat Sandercock said she was proud of who she had become and that her and her teammates were leaving the program as better human beings. There's a reason why these are the moments that make them cry, the players and the coaches, right? Because that's the real goal. And that's part of what we love about softball. No matter how much we grow, that is important. And after the World Series wrapped up, you know, I actually randomly on TV was Avengers Endgame. So for all you Marvel fans out there, you'll know what I'm talking about in the MCU. Um, But it was the scene where Thor, future Thor, sees his mother and they get to have a conversation and he's kind of questioning his identity, etc. And she says to him, everyone fails at who they're supposed to be, Thor. The measure of a person, of a hero, is how well they succeed at being who they are. And I thought like, wow, that's kind of what, where my mind was going in terms of softball, right? And, and these teams and then to see Thor. And if you know the story, you know, it well, you know, no, only you can only pick up the hammer if you're worthy. And he actually holds out his hand and he's able to, to grasp the hammer when it comes to him. And he says, I'm still worthy. And I think that's, that's what I was getting at. That's what my feelings were. And it was kind of a random moment that came together after watching something like the World Series. So basically what I'm saying is we're worthy and what we've built is worthy. So let's keep going in that direction as we continue to build. So that's it. Grow in the right direction. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, part of Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, wherever you listen, including Believe.com and YouTube too. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, and if you liked it, write a review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V. You can reach out to me personally on Twitter at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera as well. As always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.